We're recording this at 9 p.m. on March 14th. So by the time you hear this, Ottawa will have gotten the coach of every North Division team fired. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that told you last episode that Jeff Ward was not going to be fired and Johnny Gaudreau wouldn't be traded. So someone should probably warn Johnny about his imminent trade. I'm the Flames fan, Darren Plett, and with me is the Oilers fan, Stuart Jones. Hello, Stu. Hey, Darren. Uh, I believe you were the one that came up with that Jeff Ward, Johnny Gaudreau line last episode, right? Yeah, so about that. Yeah, it was, what, February 28th we recorded, and uh, we said that by the time you hear this, (laughs) Jeff Ward would not be fired, and on March 4th, Jeff Ward was fired. So some people may have heard it before he was fired, but a lot of people may have not heard it (laughs) until after he was fired. So, you know, I would like to take this opportunity to sincerely apologize to Jeff Ward (laughs) for any houses he purchased or any other in-town commitments he made based on my assurances that his job was safe. But to everyone else who heard it, sorry, not sorry. I think that might be our most inaccurate opening, which is pretty good after 33 episodes, I got to admit. It was bound to happen at some point. (laughs) Yeah, true enough. That, but now I am honestly worried for the future of Johnny Gaudreau. Like, if Jeff Ward is traded that quickly, how how soon is it until we can expect Johnny to be gone from Calgary? Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like on a normal year when we would know, like, when trade deadline is and, you know, expect things to happen in the normal period, we could maybe foresee some things. But aside from, you know, looking into it, I don't know when trade deadline is this year, so... <laughs> Who knows when things are going to just start happening all of a sudden? Yeah, I've I've no idea either. I haven't looked. Um, I'm assuming it's coming up soon, but I mean, honestly, I can't foresee that much happening with COVID and quarantine and everything. But perhaps we should get started. And I guess we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. It's the mid-month, our first mid-month prediction check-in. It's not really a scorecard, but... We're more looking in on how we're doing halfway. So I believe you have kind of our half scorecards ready. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll start with, you know, what we predicted. So uh, there were both the Oilers and the Flames have 16 games in the month of March. Uh, The Oilers have run through about seven, well, not about seven, exactly seven games. (laughs) And the Flames have run through six of their games. Um. Starting with the Oilers, uh, we both were fairly optimistic about them. I thought they were going to win 11. You thought they were going to win 10. So far, they're only just above 500. They're 4-3-0 right now. Um, But I don't believe there are any more Leafs games within the month. (laughs) So that's good news for the Oilers. More on that later. (laughs) Oh, no, I lied. There are two right at the end of the month. So that might might hurt some uh things. (laughs) <laughs> more more on that later but uh the flames the flames we were less bully on um apparently i'm from the 1800s now yeah i don't know what that meant but <laughs> i just nod and smile uh but yeah we both thought oh actually no i thought they were going to be a little bit over 500 with 9016 you thought they were going to be a little bit under that with 7016 uh right now they're 
kind of uh, like if you count overtime losses as losses, which we really do in this world. Uh, they're three, two, and one, so they're basically at 500. So we're kind of in the ballpark, but uh, who knows where it can go from here? Well, apparently we do, but <laughs> yeah, that darn Daryl Sutter might mess up everything that I predicted for this month. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's uh, you know a little bit about what you're going to be talking about today. So maybe that's a good segue. <laughs> Just a little bit. I got to admit, I'm getting a little bit sick of talking about coaches, but that's all that seems to happen <laughs> in Calgary is coaches just kind of revolve through the doors. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, I also have to acknowledge just how terrible I am at assessing anything to do with coaches. Uh, when Ward came in, I was all gung-ho and hyped about Jeff Ward for some reason. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that – like try to back that up and say that I was right or something. Cause he just got fired. So I'm not exactly sure what I was seeing or why I was so hyped, but um, he's gone now. And I also kind of thought last week that it's not his fault. It's more the player's fault. Um, and that might still be somewhat the case, but, but clearly the flames thought differently. Brad Treliving thought a lot differently and, fired Jeff Ward a few days after I said that. So it's kind of sad because I don't think Jeff Ward really got a fair shake. He got uh, a COVID bubble play in. He got a few games before that after a racist coach got fired. And then he got 21 games or 20, sorry, more like 25 games into a COVID shortened messed up season. Like that's not a fair shake at all. He, he does get to get fired and have the nice, you know, paycheck assurance that comes with signing a two year contract and then getting fired immediately (laughs) after it starts. But um, yeah, it didn't go so well for him. And I, I don't doubt that he will find his way back to an NHL bench probably as an assistant because he was an assistant for a very long time. So Clearly, he's good at that. Um, but right now, Calgary has said, ah, we got to move on and fast. So that signals to me that they're really gunning for the playoffs and they weren't wasting any more time with a coach that they didn't think was going to cut it. Um, and I was trying to figure out exactly the differences here because as we know, the Flames hired Daryl Sutter. If you haven't heard that, then, um, well, I don't know where you've been. It's it's all the rage in Alberta. Uh, I think Oilers fans are finally getting some of that payback for how often everyone else has to hear about freaking Connor McDavid. <laughs> Guess what? Now Sportsnet's clogging the airwaves with about how great Daryl Sutter is. So you get to deal with that for a little while. But, you know, the, the airwaves have been full of Daryl Sutter quotes and Daryl Sutter stats and just Daryl Sutter's face, which is not necessarily what you want on your TV for long periods of time. It might burn in and, you know, cause you to get a new TV, but Daryl Sutter's here. Uh, everyone's very excited in Calgary. Apparently he's some sort of hockey savior and I, he's gotten two games in at the time of this recording. And I say two games in like he's the one playing, but he's gotten to actually be behind the bench for two games. And I decided to try to, to identify some differences between how they're playing now and how they're playing under Jeff Ward. And it's a little bit difficult because, you know, they are playing quite a bit differently, but that's going to happen when a new coach comes in because there's also like 
you know, there's more changes than just in the system. There's kind of an attitude adjustment sort of thing. Like a coach got fired and a new one came in. I think it's kind of like a kick in the pants to a lot of players. But what I've seen on the ice is this. When they played for Jeff Ward this season, it was really slow. Uh, I think anyone that watched Flames games will be able to identify with this. It was really frustrating watching them pass the puck around in their own zone. When they got control of the puck in their own zone, it you never felt like it was going to get out of the zone. You know when you watch a bad goalie and you're always on edge that the, any <laughs> shot's going to go in? Um, you, you felt that with the flames getting the puck out of their zone you're like oh this isn't going to get out like the defenseman would bobble it they would pass it back and forth a few times they would make bad decisions they would hesitate the one thing i noticed a lot was players like giordano just hesitating so much like they didn't know what to do and if a former norris winner is really confused like looks totally lost out there then something's wrong so it's really slow they would often sit behind the net or right in front of the net and wait for changes to happen and make short passes. And you're like, well, you're not going to get the puck into the offensive zone like that because you're waiting for the other team to set everything up and you're waiting for all this stuff to happen. By the time you get going, the other team's just sitting in the neutral zone like, yeah, come at us. What are you going to do? So the biggest change, I think, is that because now under Daryl Sutter, it's fast. I watched a lot of clips on Twitter today, which makes me sound like the biggest, like, terrible fan that thinks he has a great podcast. I watched so many clips on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, they were really interesting because they, they showed uh, how Daryl Sutter had changed the Flames' puck movement. Now, when the defensemen get the puck, they move it up instantly. And it's not just, uh, you know, like skating it up. Like, there's... Quick passes up to someone that's waiting up the blue line as soon as there's a turnover. Other teams don't get to change nearly as often now. Uh, there was a video of Chris Tanev getting the puck behind his own net, and he just immediately hit the Jets and went up the ice. There was no waiting around for changes. There was get the puck up and get to the red line and blast it in and make the other team get back and defend because the more you do that, the less time they'll have to set up and the more scrambly it is for the other team's defense. So... I mean, that all seems very obvious, but that made a huge change in how Calgary plays. The other team's on the back foot a lot of the time. They don't get as much time to change. It's a bit more scrambly. And the two games against Montreal, Calgary pinned them in Montreal's zone a lot. There were some tired Montreal defensemen who were stuck on there because they would get it out. And the Flames defenseman would grab the puck, turn around and fire it right back to someone at the blue line and there was just no time for Montreal. So it was a lot more fun to watch. Uh, I don't, a lot of people seem to correlate Sutter with slowness because he's like an old rancher, I guess. <laughs> but he, he plays, he gets his teams to play really fast. Like the four check is really aggressive. Uh, now the Flames have a forward going in there and making life really miserable for the other team's defensemen where under Ward that had gotten away from them. They were really passive on the forecheck. They were just kind of float around and try to uh, direct where the puck was going kind of, but they wouldn't get in the faces of the people with the puck. Well, Daryl Sutter, I think in practice, he's probably just telling them to be aggressive, hit anything that moves and don't let people get a second to set up. That's I think that's basically all that's going on. 
So the differences that I see are just quicker puck movement, attacking harder and being aggressive in all aspects. And honestly, that sounds so obvious, (laughs) but I think that like Jeff Ward must have been trying to set up a defensive style, instill something really safe in this Flames team. And it ended up just being really passive. And, And if you're passive, teams will still score on you. I think you have to be aggressive, but also be smart with how you're being aggressive. And um, this, I think this is kind of reflected in what players are saying about practices. You know, players won't say much in post-game interviews, but if you read into it a little bit, the players have been saying the practices are more business-like and they know what they're supposed to do. And, and it's like, it's less loosey-goosey. Um, I think one of the main things we remember about Jeff Ward practices is that he would like to play music to get the players loosened up and, you know, get them uh, feeling comfortable. And while that sounded good at the time, I think there's also a time to crack down and, and get people serious because you need to be serious. It's professional sports. Everyone's very good. So it's good to have fun while doing it, but you also need to actually work on stuff and, and try and practices. And Daryl Sutter is one of those people who tries to make a practice as close to a game as possible. Game speed, you know, skating a lot. Um, people were commenting on how short the practices were and they asked Sutter about it. And he said, well, games are pretty short. He said, there's only like an hour of skating in a game spread between your teams. So he's like, I'm trying to imitate that, get their heart rates up and down hour of good, hard skating. That's a practice. So, I thought that was really interesting and it shows kind of the differences between what we're going to see bef- between Ward and Sutter, I think, is the slow passive leniency that we might have seen under Ward is turning into a more aggressive business-like approach and that will serve this team really well. Now, all of that was very positive <laughs> and all of that was me running back things I said about Jeff Ward, basically, but there is a negative caveat at the end we've seen two games right it's two games of a new coach what does that mean well essentially nothing the flames won their first six games under jeff ward and they looked real good doing it so this is great to see and daryl sutter is a very good coach and i think we're all excited to see where this leads but i think we have to kind of temper our exuberance a little bit (laughs) and remember that you know, a new coach coming in changes everything. I'm still wary about how this team responds over a long period of time. They've essentially caused the firings of four coaches. Well, three, but um, we have to be cautious because if Dar- in my mind, if Daryl Sutter can't get this team to cooperate and be very consistent and be very consistently good, then it's so obviously the team. Because after five coaches of super inconsistent play, I'm not sure how you can blame the coaches anymore. So to me, this is kind of the end of the line now for the Flames core. You play good under Daryl Sutter or things are going to happen. So I'm finding this very interesting. Uh, This is kind of a, like I said, end of the line for you guys. Let's see how you respond. Yeah, I think that brings you back around to where you started saying that, you know, it doesn't, you didn't seem like it was Jeff Ward's fault was what was going wrong with the team, but the Flames seemed to disagree because that's what they did. But at the same time, 
you know, that's kind of what you have to do, right? Even if the coach doesn't seem to be the problem, if he no longer has the ability to motivate those players for whatever reason, then you got to switch it up. You're right, though. If that keeps happening, coach after coach after coach, that's that's a long-term problem that you're going to have to address eventually. So for the sake of the Flames, hopefully Sutter's is as motivating as they need. Which Yeah, there, there's know. a number of people using the first two games to say, I told you so, and that the, the core is fine, and they needed a proven NHL coach. But it's, it's the first two games of the, mm-hmm. air quotes, Daryl Sutter regime. So... Uh, I think it's it's best to wait and see what happens. I know it sucks to wait because this year is kind of getting stressful for the Flames, but he's signed for three years. So mm-hmm. I think he's the one that's going to stick around and kind of uh, kind of mandate which which players get to stay and go and help Brad Treliving decide. But I mean, all I've heard this week is about Daryl Sutter and all I've read is about Daryl Sutter. And honestly, I don't know anything about what happened to the Oilers besides that they might have had a little bit of a tough stretch in there. So I'm interested to hear what you got about the Oilers this week. <laughs> well, honestly, not much. I've got more on the Flames. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> more on Sutter. No, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I think um, that kind of transitions us into we forgot one part of our predictions that we didn't um, – catch up on i guess and that was the battle of alberta that happened uh which was uh post ward but pre-sutter if i'm not mistaken in the timeline there right yes it was in the soft mushy middle of ryan (laughs) huska yeah so um not knowing what the coaching scenario was going to be when we made these predictions (laughs) you thought the oilers were going to win i thought the flames were going to win you were, in fact, correct. The Oilers did win that game 3-2. to two. Uh, It was, you know, obviously a pretty close game. Nothing like the 7-1 blow to the one prior. So clearly the Flames are were sort of already improving on whatever Ward was doing. But, uh, yeah, we've got the next Battle of Alberta actually tomorrow night as of recording this. And then, again, two nights after that. So... That's going to be interesting to see what the Sutter's Flames do to the Oilers. Not looking forward to it personally. Uh, Again, at the beginning of the month when we made our predictions, I said the Oilers were going to win both of those ones. And you said we were going to split them. Flames the first one, the Oilers the second. So we'll see if that coaching change really makes a difference there. You know, as as an Oilers fan, I've seen plenty of... uh, uh, artificial bumps from coaching changes <laughs> yep, <laughs> uh, that, that don't actually last. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think Sutter is a good coach and uh, probably what the Flames need right now. So it will be interesting to see if that lasts. But anyways, to talk about the Oilers, I suppose we can. <laughs> um, really what it came down to, like, yeah, like what I've said already, they're four three and zero so far in the month of March, which is not obviously not bad, but not really as great as their February was. But really, what this comes down to is the Maple Leafs have figured the Oilers out. So there was a three game stretch right at the end of February, the beginning of March, and between the Leafs and the Oilers, and the Leafs won all three, and they weren't even close games. It was four nothing, three nothing, and six to one. 
So, you know, maybe Drysidle and McDavid were just having a bad week because, you know, if you can keep those guys off the score sheet for two to three games, like that's, that's, that's impressive on the Leafs part. You know, we don't like to say a lot in this podcast or on this half of the country or on, you know, most of the country outside of Toronto, but the Leafs really are a good team this year. I hate to say that. It like makes me almost vomit in my mouth a little. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if that was graphic, but uh, you know, they, they really are like they're on top of the division right now. Uh, and again, not by like a small margin, but by a couple wins at least. And yeah, they're a really good team and a really good team as as much as, you know, last episode we joked that they absolutely dropped the ball to Ottawa. And sure, everybody does. Uh, yep. I'm sure Darren will tell you that as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a really good team not only gets their wins, but knows how to shut down really good players. And I say that really good players because, you know, the Oilers still not like a really, really good team. They're still not an all-star team, an elite team by any stretch. But obviously, there's no debate the fact that two, at least two of those players are elite, right? They're absolute superstars. So to shut those guys down takes skill. So the Leafs have clearly figured something out that I don't even know how they did it, honestly. I've, I've no like in-depth analysis here, unfortunately. And even if I did, I don't know if I'd say it out loud because then other teams might hear. Okay, who are we kidding? No <laughs> other teams listen to this podcast. But yeah, clearly they've figured something out to shut these guys down. And that's definitely a problem for the Oilers. Now, the good news is the Oilers have got most of their Leafs games out of the way early on in the season. And it wasn't quite as bad in the early stretch. We were kind of splitting the series for a while until that last little bit. Uh, there's only two games left against the Leafs. And now more so we got game, lots of games against Calgary, against uh, Montreal, against Vancouver, Winnipeg, basically everyone else. We finished sort of our Ontario series. Luckily, the Senators, Oilers are still undefeated against them. So, you know, <laughs> kind of balances out. So the Oilers are still sort of maintaining that playoff spot, whatever that looks like. And again, this year is all a bit different. Still haven't quite figured all that out. Maybe we should look into that one day. But they're, they're still holding on to that spot right now. And like I said, without too many Maple Leafs games to come. I think they've got a chance of holding it, but at the same time, they also can't just, you know, assume that all the other teams are going to be easier than the Leafs. They've got to really figure out what the problem was during those games. Maybe it was just a bad night uh, or well, <laughs> three bad nights, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, they can't just, they, they have to put that behind them and, you know, move on to what's, coming next and they can't just let that become a problem uh whether it's against the leafs or against the canadians even ottawa who knows um you know we've already talked about calgary calgary is changing their game the oilers will need to adapt to that regardless of how long the sutter bump lasts um you know <laughs> it's going to be a different bump. game <laughs> <laughs> hashtag sutter bump hashtag sutter bump <laughs> Uh, so yeah, definitely some, uh, some tough games ahead, even if they're not just against the Leafs. So lots of work to be done. Uh, I, like I said, don't have the answers. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I, well, even if I did, I wish I could tell them I did, but, uh, 
it'll be interesting for sure to see what the sort of last sort of month and a bit of the schedule uh, leads into. But uh, yeah, like I said, the summary here, the Oilers are like, you know, in a relatively safe position for the playoff spot this year, but they got to be careful because it's not going to be easy going forward. I did see a stat that was kind of alarming concerning the Flames and the Oilers, and that was their records uh, in games that didn't involve the Senators. And (laughs) while I think it's less disturbing for Flames fans because the Flames were like 10-10-1 or something against everyone but the senators i think the team that's got to be scared is the oilers because their record in games not against the senators was 11 and 11 so i think they made a lot of bank against the oilers or against the senators rather and like you said they got to figure out teams like toronto and they got to do it quick because they pretty much used up their senator allowance (laughs) so uh they're really gonna have to adapt and and use their elite talent against those other teams yeah, they've got two more games against the Leafs and two more games against the Sanders. So we can kind of just wash those two out, I guess. <laughs> wash those four out. Two losses, two wins. And then, you know, but everyone in the middle, like this division is is a tough division. And so they lost against Vancouver last night in a hard-fought 2-1 battle. Um, so, you know, no, no game is going to be an easy game. Um, so, like I said, it's it's going to be a hard work for them to really stay on top. Now it is time for Sellies and Scorns. Stu, hit me. What you got this time? All right. So my Selly this uh, episode is um, that the NHL is going back to ESPN you know, doesn't really affect us all that much in Canada. You know, we've got our two telecommunications companies that show us all of our hockey games. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, I think this is a selly because, you know, as, as much as, you know, moving to NBC and getting on primetime hours and basic network TV is like a big, you know, it, it was a big chance that, Bettman, I think, took to try and get, you know, more broad spread appeal. And I appreciate that effort. I do think more people should like hockey. They just got to give it a try. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, feel free to come to my conversion ceremonies next week. But in all honesty, you know, we have to acknowledge that hockey is hockey. It's not ever going to be the NFL. Uh, it's not going to be America's pastime. Um, it's it's hockey, right? It's it's popular enough. It's it doesn't have to be number one. I don't think it's ever going to get there. So we should stop trying to get it to be number one and just kind of embrace what it is. And I think a sports network like ESPN is a better home for that. It really acknowledges like the hockey fans are the sports fans. They're the ones that have ESPN. Like we don't need to try and get on NBC so that somebody might switch over from Grey's Anatomy one evening to (laughs) catch the Pittsburgh game or something. I don't even know. Is Grey's Anatomy still a thing? I think so. I don't think it'll ever not be a thing. Oh, okay, cool. Anyways. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I, I really don't think that, you know, trying to be that is did all that much for the league. Maybe it did. Maybe I'm wrong. But I I think ESPN is a good home for it. It gives it the proper due of, 
people who know how to do sports are doing sports. And like I said, I, I think whoever wants to watch hockey is already probably has ESPN or has that ability to watch hockey. Like the fact, you know, I'm not even talking about the whole, you know, unplugging cable and people don't watch network TV anymore anyways. So, you know, that changes this conversation entirely, but I do think ESPN is a great home, uh, for hockey. Again, it's just people who do sports doing sports and uh, a little fun fact about the last time the NHL was on ESPN. It was the, uh, Tampa Calgary game seven Stanley cup final in 2004. No way. And the one that Calgary won. <laughs> uh, wasn't that game six yeah the whole thing the final yeah anyways yeah. <laughs> so i love to bring that up for several reasons obviously that being one of them but the other reason i bring it up is because guess who was the coach of the flames oh wow i can't even imagine <laughs> yeah daryl sutter <laughs> so uh yeah not a lot has changed and yet a lot has changed but We'll we'll see if the uh, the Flames make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and win slash lose again at the end of this year. <laughs> well, yes. at the end of the next year that ESPN has it, whichever year that starts, I don't even know. Yeah, ESPN picking up right where they left off. Daryl Sutter coach Flames team going to the finals against Tampa. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Uh, both of my Selly and scores are Flames related, but I'll start with my Selly. Uh, my sell is for Sean Monahan because I feel like this guy gets dumped on way too much. Maybe it's just the places I go to look at Flames information, but people always think that he's not a number one center and he is not very good and we shouldn't have him on this team anymore and he's too slow and he doesn't hit enough and all these things. And I watch Sean Monahan pretty closely and I can tell you that he he improves a lot. He picked. He's picked up his physicality pretty much every year. He's a tough dude because we've heard about some of the injuries he's gone, like played through. Uh, and another thing about Sean Monahan is the guy just scores. He just scores a lot of goals. I don't know if you know this, but that's pretty valuable <laughs> to an NHL team. It's kind of a big deal. And I think it's kind of like a pre-written narrative that Sean Monahan isn't good enough or something. And maybe it's just because he, he – perceived as boring and slow or something but last night in the game against montreal sean monahan scored his 200 and 201st nhl goals and if that seems like a lot well it is because sean monahan uh was drafted in the 2013 nhl draft and he started playing the next year but his 200 or i guess now 201 goals are the highest number of goals from that 2013 draft class. And you might be like, yeah, well, he scores a lot of goals. Yeah, but he's also outscoring people named Nathan McKinnon and Alexander Barkov. Sean Monaghan, not a number one center, has more goals than those guys. Wow. In fact, he has more goals than all but two players in the two drafts before him. Hmm. So... Every single player in the two drafts before him, except two, have less goals than Sean Monaghan. So I I am staunchly against considering Sean Monaghan like a non-integral part of the Flames. I think he is a very good player. I, I'm not going to go and call him elite. I'm not going to say he's one of the best number one centers in the NHL. 
but he's very clearly a number one center because he scores goals and that is a massive part to play in the NHL and is super valuable. And I think if the people who are really critical of him actually tried to set their bias aside and watched him for a few shifts, they'd realize that he actually does a lot of things that helps the team besides scoring goals and that a lot of what they see is probably confirmation bias for some reason. And I mean, why would you want confirmation bias against Sean Monaghan? He's just such a lovable, boring guy. So <laughs> congrats to Sean Monaghan on his 200th NHL goal. And I don't really see that slowing down anytime soon because that guy can score. Yeah, props props to him for sure. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's some impressive stats. And yeah, he definitely flies under the radar, but a valuable player on the team for sure. Well, I guess I'll give you my scorn, shall I? Before you get yours. Please do. So my scorn is for uh, the NHL proposing some rule changes. And these rule changes are an abomination to everything that is hockey and it will ruin the league. (laughs) And they are related to the draft lottery. (laughs) Oh boy. Here we go. (laughs) In all seriousness, I do think these are probably good changes but as an Oilers fan I have to I have to be staunchly (laughs) disapproving of these rules because yeah so some of the rules that are being proposed are teams are limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period oh no yeah so uh, that has the Oilers written all over it are they going to stand for this yeah, so that means we would have to pick between Hall, Nugent Hopkins, <laughs> Nail Yakupov. Oh, wait, we did pick between those. Oh, yeah, we, don't, <laughs> we only have one left. Never mind. <laughs> um, another thing is that teams are only allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win, so they can't go, you know, all the way from 15 to 1, I guess. Again, that that makes some sense, I would think. Uh, and also re- a reduction in the number of picks decided by lottery from three to two. So only the top two picks are lottery instead of the top three. But really what it comes down to is that uh, no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. So yeah, these rule changes are being uh, circled around the uh, the clubs right now, and it has to be approved by the Board of Governors. I don't know where it's at. I haven't heard, but... Uh, yeah, in all honesty, probably a good move. But as an Oilers fan, that's that would have ruined the one good thing we had going for us for oh so long was yeah. winning draft lotteries. That's the only thing we could win. <laughs> now I'm just thinking, poor Detroit and Buffalo. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, I guess they'll just have to interchange. All right, my my scoring is for someone that's probably pretty familiar to anyone that consumes a lot of flames news Uh, my scores for eric francis i'm surprised he hasn't come up before if you don't know who eric francis is (laughs) that's great and you should continue to not know who he is please shut off the podcast and do not google him but for everyone else eric francis is one of the media writers for the calgary flames and he generally has some bad takes and around town he's kind of known as the guy who's a little bit negative on the flames and can be obnoxious at times try to stir things up well in the first uh first game that daryl sutter was back in one of the intermissions eric francis essentially spoiled the surprise birthday party for daryl sutter's mom 
no word on whether she was watching the game or not, but someone let Eric Francis in on the fact that there's a surprise party, which they should know better than that. <laughs> then Eric Francis, of course, you know, spoiled it on live TV, as you should do with an 85-year-old surprise party. But then after the game, in the, in the post-game press conference, Daryl Sutter said that the win that the Flames had got that night was for Ken King, who was the former president of the Flames who passed away last year. And for his mother, whose 85th birthday it was on March 11th. And instead of just accepting that as fact, Eric Francis asked Daryl Sutter, wasn't your mom's birthday yesterday? As if Daryl Sutter didn't know when his own mother's <laughs> birthday was. And props to Daryl Sutter for somehow being patient and just saying, nope, she was born March 11th, 1936. Uh, you know, again, he knows when his mother's birthday is. And... Eric Francis, instead of being like, oh, yeah, my bad, I'm sorry, doubled down and said, well, I know when all the Sutter brothers' birthdays are. Like, that's a normal human thing to say <laughs> and not creepy at all. So, yeah, my scorn's for Eric Francis. I'm sure you can tell why. Dude, stop being a creep and stop being obnoxious and just ask normal questions. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. I, I think you said best when you sarcastically said, as if that's something a normal human being would say. It's <laughs> just uh, so awkward, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, everyone, that's the episode. Uh, this week, we obviously don't have predictions because we're doing the month long ones and we're in the middle of the month. So, lucky us, we don't have to try to search up a schedule and somehow predict how our teams are going to do because you know it's actually more difficult than it seems but thanks once again for listening to this episode of the battle of alberta podcast you can find our episodes at www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com or wherever you find your podcast because clearly you found it if you're listening to this part of the episode so we'll be back in two weeks and we will have our final prediction scorecard to see how we did so make sure you tune in for that one thanks for listening everybody goodbye